Hello there. We do not care if you are ready or not. I care. And you care. Uh, we. Who's we? We. No. You are not. We don't care if you're ready or not because it's time for your dose of sexy <laughs> education from our weird and wonderful world that is the Dirty Talk podcast. You better be ready. You tuned in. Gird your loins. So we assume. We assume we are making assumptions that you are ready that you, and you are willing. It, your implied consent through your ear holes is assumed because you're here. Yes. Is what we're saying. Thank you for implying consent. This is T.C. Rollins. This is Rain DeGray. I know you have a little bit longer of a piece that you want to do today that you had researched quite a bit, but I think that this will work. This will tie in a little bit before you jump into your longer piece. Okay. I guess I should also mention that this one's going out to the general public. If you want to hear us every single week, deep down in your ear holes, tickling your brain. You can join us on our Patreon at patreon.com backslash dirty talk podcast. And you will listen to us and our witty banter on a weekly basis instead of a bi-weekly basis on our public feed. So there you go. Have it. So witty. Yes. Much banter. Mull that over for a little while if you care to join us there. I want to read a description of something for you. And I would like your opinion on what you think of this. My ear holes are primed. Give it to me. Hardcore pornography is as American as apple pie and more popular than Sunday night football. Our approach to this billion-dollar industry is as both a cultural phenomenon that reflects and reinforces sexual inequalities, but holds the potential to challenge sexual and gender norms, and as an art form that requires serious contemplation. We will watch pornographic films together and discuss the sexualization of race, class, and gender and as an experimental, radical art form. What is your opinion of this statement? It sounds very fancy and highfalutin. Mm -hmm. And the thing that does give me a little bit of pause is we will watch this together. Mm -hmm. Because when you get a group of multiple individuals in a room watching arousing erotic material, even if everyone consents to be there, it can easily become a bit of an awkward situation. Mm -hmm. um, certainly, I've heard of men like, let's get together and watch some pornos together. Yeah, with like boys night out. I've, I've watched porn with other guys before and it gets awkward, awkward fast. Right, right. Yeah, You're yeah. like, mm, okay, uh, like what? And then what? Everyone's in the room smuggling. I mean, boner. I suppose if that's your goal, is everybody's going to get together and jerk off? together right. i've never done that but i have watched porn with other guys and i was like this is just what, weird this is something i either weird, do right? with somebody like, i'm having sex with or what? like on my own Solo, i think most right? i think most porn in my opinion is viewed alone <laughs> and or to spice something up but i've never understood the we're not banging and we're just going to hang out together and watch arousing things and like What's happening in your pants? I don't know. Stare straight ahead at the mm -hmm, screen. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is this is the reason why I think porn theaters have gone the way of the dodo bird is because yeah. people don't necessarily want to Gosh. get together in the same space to view the porn. Like when it was a necessity. And when you had no other yeah, options. You had to go to some sketchy part of town and go and watch a movie in why a dark movie the theater. Why is the floor sticky? Yeah. 
but you know <laughs> that's why those kind of died with the advent of home video this is way better and the floors are less sticky mm-hmm. the reason why i bring this up is because it is the course description of a college course that is going to be offered at Westminster College in Utah. The basis of the course is that they are going to get together, they're going to watch porn, and then they will break the porn down and look at all these different factors around the porn and how it relates to society. Hum. As a porn star, my verdict is that could be bloody awkward. Oh, yeah. It could be bloody awkward. And it also has a lot of people riled up at the idea that understandably there could be a college credited course where people get together and watch porn. Because, of course, their minds went to like, oh, yeah, of course, it's just these liberals in the colleges and they're just like trying to indoctrinate our children. And before you know it, orgies are just breaking out on the campus. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And there is a change.org petition stating that we do not want this course being taught at this college. It has over 1,500 signatures on it. And if you go through, and I suggest you go through and read the comments on it because they are ridiculously hilarious, ranging from, of course, things like porn is Satan's device to indoctrinate our children to people arguing that it is addictive and the next thing they're going to do, obviously, is have a class where they teach people about drugs and they're going to get everybody in the classroom and be like, hey, let's do a bunch of drugs and then we can discuss <laughs> and then we can doing analyze the drugs. it. Yeah, we're going to get together. Here's my class idea. We're going to get together. We're going to smoke a bunch of crack and then we're going to talk about the social implications of smoking crack. What do you think? Three, three credits. <laughs> but this is this is the extent that people are going to because they are claiming that it is highly addictive, that it is the the thing that is degrading our morals as a society because people watch porn. But it's stated right there in the description of the course is like it is American as apple pie. Everybody watches porn. Maybe not everybody. I will watch enough porn to bring up the per capita viewing of porn for the people that don't. Don't worry, I got your back. I will watch. Since you do not watch porn, I will watch your porn for you. <laughs> it's so thoughtful of you. Yeah. So, of, of course, there's just a lots of clutching of pearls and wringing of hands and everything like that. And some people coming out and saying, offering child porn under the name of education is sickening. Sex with children is never an art form. And under a We're- healthy and God-fearing conscience never will be but it was like they're where's obviously the chi- not where's even the reading. child porn yes. where did they get the they're child not porn? saying like hey like i would understand if this class was like we're gonna get together and make some child porn and then discuss its like merits as a socially acceptable I thing would object to i that. would I, i'm standing here and i think this is the unified stance of the dirty talk podcast we, we would object. are 100 against child porn and there is nothing in the description of this course saying that child pornography is going to be involved whatsoever. It is truly amazing how people are able to add their own interpretation to things and believe it so strongly. Mm-hmm. I'm sure whoever typed that literally saw child porn. Their brain is reading that. Yes. Like they just, they Well, because I think they're thinking college kids. Those kids yeah. are in colleges and they're exposing the children to pornography. 
And some people were saying like, oh, yeah, what's next? We're going to start giving kids alcoholic beverages with their school lunches. Like, where do you where do you okay. make these mental leaps between we are going to look at pornography and evaluate it as an art form and its social impacts to it's a free flow. We're just going to get together, have a circle jerk and, you know, child porn. And we'll probably don't forget to bring your anal beads sort of thing. People make those leaps, and I'm speaking from distinct personal experience. Uh, every day I have encounters with people where they project reality through their own filter. We are the filter of everything that we perceive, and it gets changed irrevocably. Mm -hmm. And you see all of a sudden it's child porn and people are drinking in school lunches. Like People cannot help but superimpose their own thoughts and perceptions. Yes. It's, it's human nature for a fact. Uh, I mean, I think that even under educational purposes, which I'm totally for, I can't help but think as someone who creates porn, that getting a bunch of young, healthy, hormone-packed college students together to watch porn, even if you're trying to then analyze the sociological implications, still is going to make it a little awkward. That's <clears throat> uh, uh, so, yeah, the rusty trombone. Okay, well, let's uh, talk about how that breaks down for society. I can see why people would object to it because it could be awkward, but sometimes awkward things need to be talked about. Yeah. I think the thing that surprises me the most is this being offered in Utah. Utah is not exactly known as a free thinking, open-minded state like that. Well, I think that's one of the reasons why there has been so much blowback about this is because it is in Utah and a lot of people that are on the change.org petition are in Utah and we're like, we don't want this in our state. This isn't going to do anything because it's a private university. Like some people mm. were complaining, be like, "This is where our money is going to funding education, and you know we're indoctrinating our kids with pornography and getting them addicted." Any kids listening to this podcast right now, which you, you probably shouldn't be. I don't know. I mean, it's your choice. But if you watch porn one time, you will be addicted forever. That's not true. <laughs> I just made up that fact. It's true, oh, okay. true, 100% valid made up fact. <laughs> okay. One time. It's like heroin. Try it one time. You would be addicted. That's also not true. Start off with a little lesbian scissoring. That's it. <laughs> no. Just a slippery slope to the most depraved corners of the internet. I mean, it is definitely a slippery slope once mm, you start with the lesbian scissoring. Once you want to slide down that slope. <laughs> I did want to look up porn use in Utah. Because, of course, this led me to that thought. Because I had once heard that Utah was the highest consumer of pornography in the United States. I don't know if you had ever heard this. That doesn't surprise me. Generally, the more repressed a place is and the harder it is to actually access the sexy times in person, the higher the pornography and uh, adultery rates end up being. Mm hmm it's like squeezing a water balloon that pressure us to go somewhere. Yeah. What I did find was there was a study performed at Harvard back in 2009 where they aggregated the credit card subscription data from a top internet porn company and then ranked every state on a per capita basis by the number of subscribers in that state and the number of high-speed internet connections. And based on all that data, Utah did come in as their number one spot 
for all the states. That doesn't surprise me. Here's the caveat, though. So I could mm. I could say something good about the Utahns here, is that a lot of the porn watched online, embrace yourself for this. I'm bracing. I'm sitting down. I'm girding my loins. What do you have? It is not paid for. There's lots of people out there watching free internet pornography that are not subscribing to paid services. Of so course. If, if they are using credit card subscription data, what this says to me is that maybe the people in Utah are just more ethical. Maybe they're just paying for their porn. So, you know, bravo to you. Oh. Bravo to you people of Utah, because okay. this isn't necessarily accurate information based on all internet porn use. It could just be that the people- It's just for yeah, the paid stuff. Yeah. People okay, in Utah so. might be more willing to actually pay for the pornography. Which is weird because I would think that they would want to hide it more. Hide it. On their credit card. I would think it would be the exact opposite. Yeah. But maybe it's just the, the, the they, they have values. They're ethical. I'm, I'm going to engage in this sin, but I'm going to pay. I'm going to okay. pay my fair share to engage in this sin. So huh. kudos to you, people of Utah, as paid porn consumers, you're number one. The other thing I found was data from Pornhub from 2016 on Utah's porn use. And according to them, they are actually 34th in the US for porn traffic. But this also jibes with their population. So on a per capita basis, this is roughly even because they mm. rank roughly like 30 to 34 in population. So as population goes, they're pretty standard. Right. Okay. They do watch okay. it a little less. They they visit Pornhub about thirty six seconds less than most everybody else in the US. So maybe they're just trying to get off. Really real quick. quick. Yeah. Like do do a, a quick orgasm, fit it in before mm -hmm. you go off to pray. Yeah, which is weird because the average visit is like around nine minutes, fifteen seconds. I can barely find a video I wanna watch in under nine minutes. I, that that pressure, that guilt, really allows you to. I mean, I have I have the the top searches. So in that nine minutes, they're either looking lesbian, of course, is their yeah, top. Yeah. You know, everybody loves viewed. some lesbians. Followed by, I want to see if you can guess what the second most, according to Pornhub, the second most searched porn is from Utah. Milf. Uh, no, that's actually number three. You're close. Okay, teen. No, 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 no. That wasn't even on. The uh, mature is on the list, but no teen. So they like a mature milfy because it's number three. Maybe mature lesbian milfs. Interracial? I don't think you're going to get it because it is it is one of those ones that's a little bit odd. Uh, search um, voyeur? No, no. Hentai. What? Yeah, hentai, according to Pornhub, is number two in Utah for porn searches. That, no, I would not have guessed right that. Right after lesbian. Okay. So they like themselves some <sighs> lesbian hentai MILF porn is what I'm getting out of this. Like a little a little bit older lesbian women with some octopuses, maybe. <laughs> okay. Okay. Right? They, they got some squid lovers out there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> Actually... That would make, I think, a little bit more sense. But what, because what I would see about all that is that there's no dick. 
Uh, and if you already have okay. some guilt and you want to get off, yeah, you need yeah. to get off really quickly. And you're like, I'm just going to watch like mature, which means they're consenting. I don't have to worry about the like underage and there's no other dicks. So I don't have to feel guilty about mm-hmm. that. So it's mature lesbians getting stuff full of octopus as opposed to dick. Um, I could actually kind of see that that would track mm-hmm. because to look at another dick would be an added bonus sin. You're already sinning. Let's not compile more sin by looking at some other male's shame stick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because as long as it's you know uh, some yeah. octopus arm or whatever, yeah, yeah, it doesn't that, that doesn't, doesn't count. count. That's God's loophole, just like anal. Well, they're also into anal. That was number oh, four of because course. of course it doesn't that count. Is- and uh, they search for first-time anal 74% more than anyone else in the U.S. Probably because they're taking notes because they're about to do first-time anal themselves yeah. because God can't see the butthole. Everybody knows that. Followed by uh, Stepsister, which is searched for 63% more. And Mormon. I didn't even know Mormon was a category. I'm going to have Me. to go look up Mormon porn. Like, what does Mormon porn look like? But that does is... Does it involve the underwear? The special sh- the I don't special know. There's underwear? special magic underwear? Possibly. <sighs> but that was actually... I read another Pornhub porn? breakdown. And election week 2020, the, the most searched for porn in Utah was Mormon. So I have to look up wow. Mormon porn now. I will... I will Okay. Fall on that blade and report back here as to what is exactly happening in this Mormon porn. So the Mormons are looking for first-time, lesbian, mature, hentai Mormon porn. Yeah, with their stepsister. With their stepsister. Yes. Okay. That's what I'm going to find. That's the thing. Maybe before I go to bed tonight, that's what I shall be rubbing one out to for science. For, for science and education, and you can for report science back and podcast us. hilarity. Yes. Anyways, there you have it. My report on the porn situation in Utah. I think it's good that they are teaching a class on it. Yes, it might be awkward, but any conversations that we tend to have around sex and pornography just get awkward. awkward. But the reason why they're awkward is because we're not as open as we should be in a society about it. And instead of sticking our head in the sand and being like, think about the children and you're just going to get them indoctrinated and addicted to porn at a young age. Just like, it's there. It's going to happen. People are going to watch it. Obviously, people in Utah are watching it. If you pretend it's not there, it's not going to magically go away. So you might as well evaluate it for what it is. Well, don't you know that if you ignore something, it always goes away? Always. That's, that's (laughs) you know, that was, I tried that with the chlamydia and I'm fine now. Yes, of course. Checks out. Science. Mm-hmm. Yep. Symptom free for days. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, that's so you I don't have I don't have chlamydia. If I did, I'd go to the doctor and I get tested regularly, so I'm good. Just just so we are clear, my co host is in no way implying that he is ignoring the symptoms of chlamydia. Not. We are much more responsible and we ethical. Are, well, like than I said, that. just with the disclaimer, I go yeah. and I get tested on a regular basis. I do not have anything. If I did, I would take immediate action. Actions. As should you. Don't be afraid of the doctor. Doctor is your friend. Al Capone did not, and he ended up regretting that deeply. Mm-hmm. Or maybe he didn't. His brain was too dissolved to regret anything in the end. But it turns out if you ignore STIs, they don't magically go away. That was my point, is don't ignore anything because it will not magically go away. Hmm. Okay, noted. You had referenced... uh. 
people clutching their pearls. Mm-hmm. There's plenty of pearl clutching to be had. I want to talk to you about some pearls. Okay. I, I mean, I've I, I've given a pearl necklace before, if that's what you're talking Whoa, about. Oh, I want to talk to you about pearl necklaces. Real pearl, real, real pearl necklaces or? Yeah, real. What are we talking about here? Not that kind of pearl necklace. Get your mind out of the gutter. All right. Well, maybe actually that kind of pearl right, I'm putting my mind back in the gutter because I assume that you have some sort of guttery topic for me. Uh, it's a tale of poor decisions, high sex drives, burglary, societal shaming of women, excessive amounts of privilege, and revenge porn. Okay, okay. Are you sure? And, and pearl necklaces. My ears are perked. It is the story of Margaret Campbell, otherwise known as the Blowjob Duchess. Is this an official royal title? <laughs> Well, she was a duchess. Okay. Why exactly has she gone down in history as the blowjob duchess? Curious. Mm. I figure, I mean, I'm just, oh, you know what? I'm going to sit back and relax and listen because I assume that that will be explained. To be clear, Margaret Campbell is not exactly a sympathetic character. She was extremely foolish with money. She was vain. She was shallow. She made many bad decisions. But she was also publicly shamed in a way a man never would be. And she was one of the first examples that I've run into of revenge porn. Hmm. Uh, you and I, we do research all week long for these podcasts. Normally, we'll bring a number of topics to the table. And when I started researching this woman, I'm like, there is so much going on. I want to get in a little deeper. Margaret Campbell... Duchess of Argyle was a member of the Scottish nobility, and she was most well known for her marriage and preceding divorce to her second husband, Ian Campbell, the 11th Duke of Argyle. Is that what the, the socks are named after? It's spelled differently, but the pattern from the tartan is where we now have Argyle socks, even though this is spelled A-R-G-Y-L-L, mm. and that's not how we spell Argyle socks, but mm. yes. Mm. Uh, I will be completely honest. We do a lot of research, and I often stumble with pronunciations. I'm probably going to stumble a little bit uh, later in on this podcast. But when I ran across Argyle, at least I knew how to pronounce it. I was like, yes, the spelling might be different, but this is a pronunciation I know I'm going to nail. There's going to be a lot of nailing in this story. A woman with a healthy sexual appetite. At the age of 15, she managed to get pregnant by future actor David Niven, necessitating a quick trip to a London nursing home for a secret abortion. Love child handled, she went on to date Pakistani diplomat Ayal Khan, millionaire aviator Glenn Kidston, publishing heir Max Aiken, and Prince George, Duke of Kent. It's a, she's a, a busy woman. Yeah. She then announced her uh, engagement to Charles Guy Falk Guyville, the seventh Earl of Warwick, but she didn't go through with it. Point is, this was a woman with a healthy sexual appetite. And she took on quite a number of lovers. Or she's only just getting started. Mm -hmm. 
Finally ready to settle down, she married American businessman Charles Francis Sweeney in 1933, producing two surviving children with eight miscarriages and one daughter that did not survive. Wow. Well, there was not a lot. She know, con- medicine came a long way since then. That's why it was just a numbers game back then. You just kept having kids and rolling the dice and hoping. This was, you know, 1933 when she got married. There was mm-hmm. a lot more miscarriages back then. It was in 1943 that she had a near fatal fall down an elevator shaft after visiting her chiropractor. As she said, I fell 40 feet to the bottom of the shaft. The only thing that saved me was the lift cable, which broke my fall. I must have clutched at it, for it was later found all of my fingernails were torn off. I apparently fell to my knees and cracked the back of my head against the wall. I mention this fall only because later in court it was claimed that this nearly fatal fall is what had caused pronounced nymphomania and a personality change in her. But I would say, based on her track record before the fall, it was not a plunge down an elevator shaft that made her a sexually voracious woman. She liked a fair amount of dick long before plunging 40 feet and cracking her head and ripping out all of her nails. Perhaps all the fall did was increase her already pronounced sexual appetite. Divorcing her first husband, she had some more flings, as one does. Got to catch it on the rebound. (laughs) Yes, indeed. What caused Margaret to enter the history books is on March 22nd, 1951, when she became the third wife of Ian Douglas Campbell, the 11th Duke of Argyle, securing her family's formal entry into aristocracy and access to Inverary, a proper castle in Scotland. Ian Campbell was a piece of work, to put it kindly. An alcoholic, a pill popper, a gambling addict, and a castle he could not afford to maintain. The castles are a lot of upkeep. They're a lot of upkeep. I've got a house that was built in the 80s, and I still got to fix this thing all the time. I can't imagine like a thousand-year-old castle. Fuck. There is a long history of aristocrats with castles and property they cannot maintain seeking wealthy people to marry, and the deal is you bring in the money, I give you a title. Mm -hmm. Titles and getting into aristocracy – Not that it doesn't still matter now, but back in the day, it mattered Mm. a lot. He spent most of World War II as a POW. And according to one source, he was a bad man before he went in. He was a fucking shocker when he came out. Margaret was his third wife, and it would appear that he used his succession of wealthy wives to keep his castle up and running. He had a title, an expensive piece of property, an extensive substance abuse problem, a gambling addiction, and that's about it. In doing research for this piece, uh, when you take research seriously and you compare and contrast, you can see that sometimes sources don't agree and you'll find something written as a solid fact here and it's not, it's so I have to go with, if I have various sources I'm trying to put together, uh, what makes the most sense. 
Uh, one of the sources that I found claimed that Ian specifically sought Margaret out for her wealth after draining and abusing his first two wives. I don't know for sure, but it seems plausible that he, she was incredibly wealthy and he was looking for more resources and it is possible he tracked her down and wooed her. Uh, this was a time in history when title and nobility and lineage counted for an awful lot and people would do all sorts of unreasonable and implausible things in order to secure admittance into aristocracy. Did Ian specifically track Margaret down in order to secure her and his great wealth to be his third wife in order to keep his castle running? Did she marry him without looking too much into it because of the title and castle he had? Probably. It was only once she was married that she realized her broke, alcoholic husband was intent on draining her funds for castle maintenance. And that's when things started to get really weird. Blowjobs. Oh, we are getting to the blowjobs. <laughs> there will be blowjobs. There, there, will, there will be blowjobs. Realizing how unreliable her husband was, her focus shifted to restoring the castle, probably believing it would be an investment in her future. She later discovered that her husband had led her to believe she had legal claim to the property when in reality it would be passed down to his sons through a prior marriage. Hmm. Their marriage spiraled into mutual, mutual, this is important, infidelities. Okay. He called her Satan. She attempted to forge letters claiming that his sons were illegitimate to discredit their rights of succession so she would be entitled to the castle. This is where, once again, in my research for this piece, uh, I find slightly differing accounts. We're about to get to the revenge porn. And it's not super clear where this cabinet was, where, but basically the core of it is that Ian hired a locksmith and had the locksmith break into a cabinet where he found compromising photos of Margaret. Now, I'm not quite sure where exactly this cabinet was located. He himself didn't do it, but he had to hire someone and be like, hey, my dude, come here and use your locksmithing skills to get into this cabinet. Photos of her in flagrante delecto. Photos of her performing oral sex on a partner wearing nothing but her signature three-strand pearl necklace. Mm -hmm. These were... Polaroids at a time when Polaroid cameras were incredibly rare and hard to come by. Later, according to Margaret, the only Polaroid camera in the country at the time had been lent to the Ministry of Defense, meaning that somehow the one Polaroid camera, she was banging uh -huh. many people, many people. Well, there had to have been somebody pretty high up to get the oh, one yeah. Polaroid mm -hmm. camera in existence in the country. I, don't forget that she was banging the Prince of Wales. Like, I mean, uh -huh. she's like, she's, she was. We've mentioned it before, though, that <laughs> any new technology that comes along, people will instantaneously say, how do I use this for sex? And it's like, of course, we have the world's first Polaroid camo. What are we going to do with it? Let's take some blowjob shots. The one Polaroid camera in the country that was given to the Ministry of Defense, got borrowed. It's not being so used for national defense, I'll tell you no. that. <laughs> hey. 
It, it is true. If there's one thing we know about humans, we know they love to relentlessly document their sex life. She never revealed who her sexual partners were in these stolen photos. The men's heads were not seen you uh-huh. did from the well, neck not, down. Well, not their, the, their top head. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, neither the bottom head, because that was hidden inside mm-hmm. Margaret. Firmly ingested in the mm-hmm. mouth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What makes her case distinctive enough in my mind is that she is one of the first cases of revenge porn I have encountered, because again, Polaroid's not exactly common back then, and her husband received zero consequences for hiring a locksmith to break into a locked cabinet, steal things that did not belong to him, and relentlessly publish the stolen photos. He escaped his actions scot-free, and Margaret is the one who is shamed despite the fact there was mutual infidelity on both sides. Are you saying there might be a double standard? That is exactly what I'm saying. Now, when you were talking about the Ministry of Defense, a list of as many as 88 men who the Duke believed his wife was interacting with was produced. The list included two government ministers and three members of the British royal family. Hmm. Like, what? It's kind of the who's who. She's a busy lady. (laughs) Now, not only did her husband and ex-husband receive zero consequences, but she was so shamed. Granting the divorce, the presiding judge said that the evidence established that the Duchess of Argyle was a completely promiscuous woman whose sexual appetite could only be satisfied by a number of men Her attitude to the sanctity of marriage is what moderns would call enlightened, but which in plain language was wholly immoral, and she had engaged in disgusting sexual activities. Her husband escaped any such shaming and went on to marry again. Mm -hmm. For the rest of her life, Margaret had to live under the title of the blowjob duchess. At least she had a title. (laughs) <laughs> mm. Oh, those are so important, those titles. She had that royal duchess title. And she refused to give up her signature three-strand pearl necklace. Mm-hmm. I mean, she loved that necklace so much, she didn't take it off for blowjobs. Oh. Like, she, that Why was her you? baby. <laughs> it would kind of get in the way, though. Because I would I imagine mean, it'd be dangling. How, and... Well, I mean, the photos I've seen, her three strand, it's pretty it's snug. It's like a choker. It's a three uh-huh. strand. Like, it's up there. I'm sure there'd be some clanking if you're doing it vigorously. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, perhaps she was a lady and she doesn't do vigorous thrusting. Possibly. Or maybe the guys the more... just like the feeling of it against their nuts. So, a little ball stimulation. The... Yeah, yeah. Quite possible. You can be sure that everybody that saw that pearl necklace around her neck immediately thought of oral sex. Her twilight years were spent in ever-increasing poverty, and while I cannot hold her up as a shining example of wise choices, she is certainly an example of how unequally the sexes are treated when it comes to how society views the gender's sexual appetites. Revenge porn still happens today. In fact, with the advent of easily accessible cameras as opposed to Polaroids that need to be liberated from the Ministry of Defense, mm-hmm. there is more revenge porn than ever. Marry wisely. Only take photos you are comfortable with the entire world seeing because the cloud gets hacked all of the time and photos are always being distributed. 
But don't forget, there is nothing wrong with liking sex and a nice blowjob. Pearl necklace optional. Mm-hmm. Afterwards, you're saying. After the blowjob, oh. a little little pearl necklace. Or you could wear the pearl necklace. Like, who you could use it for ball stimulation. There's so much you could do. Yeah. You, could you could add more. Take it off and use necklace. it as a makeshift uh, cock ring. Sure, sure, Whatever. sure. You could add more pearls to the pearl necklace. There's so many options. Yeah. Well, thank you for that enlightening deep dive into the history of revenge porn. I didn't realize that the first revenge porn involved having to liberate the only Polaroid camera from the English Ministry of Defense. It's amazing. I'm not going to say it's the first case of revenge porn. Uh, Mary Astor, the film star, her diaries were liberated, stolen by a very upset husband and used to shame her. But there, mm. were, no, there were no photos. Yeah, in but the that's diary. what I'm thinking is this is visual because when people think of revenge porn, it's, it's a very yeah. visual thing. Like you can't really have this written description of the things we've did because that's that's happened throughout history where people have done that i made this oil painting of her <laughs> caressing my backside and you know, <laughs> tantalizing me with her lips you know but the first like photographic evidence of hey we were in this room we were doing this thing right that's that's pretty big that's that's a I mean, first step for man been, right there. Yeah, cameras had been around for a while, and I'm certain that people were doing it, but it's oh, yeah. it's the it's the stealing of it, it's the publishing of it. It's it's probably the first, I would say, with Polaroids. The first well, it sounds, it sounds not, like the first like public instance of revenge porn. Right. It was it's like the very first leaked sex tape. Mm, right, she was a trendsetter. Yeah. Yeah, she certainly she certainly was. Uh, you know, I would had I met her, I would counsel her to have invested her money a little wiser and to make less foolish decisions. But she was essentially the Kim Kardashian of her day, celebrity. She was debutante of the year. Uh, you know, I mean, she was considered one of the most beautiful women, highly photographed. And she was like, "What am I going to do? Have all sorts of sex, lose all my money, and uh, die in poverty?" Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Uh- Oh, thank you. Intriguing story. Thank you for sharing it with me and our listeners who are eavesdropping in, just in case you didn't know. Thank you for sharing your ear holes while I filled them with the story of the pearl necklace. I believe you have a traditional jaunty salute for us. We will call it an episode with that. I do. My salute. It's jaunty. There are no pearls, but it's erect. It's ready to go, and I'm firing it off at you and our listeners. Catch you all next week, over and out. Bye-bye.